Welcome to the Voo Church Podcast. Healthy relationships begin with healthy individuals. What version of yourself are you bringing? We kicked off a brand new collection of talks called Mature Us, centered around building healthy relationships. Tune in for a message from Pastors Rich and Don Cherie Wilkerson as they discuss how Mature Us starts with Mature You. Visit bootchurch.com slash mature for reflections and resources designed to help your relationships go the distance. Now let's lean into the message together. Matthew chapter 19, uh, we're starting a brand new collection today entitled Mature Us. And Don Cherie, it's good to have you up here with me, my wife of many years. You make everything better. You want to read the text for us today? I'd love to. So Matthew 19 and it's verse 4. This is Jesus speaking. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. I like that last verse. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, Today, we're starting this brand new collection entitled Mature Us. And today's first installment, the very first message, we're gonna go right up until Easter with this collection. Um, We wanna teach from the subject, better starts with you. Now look at someone next to you and say, you. Look at your other name and say, I'm talking to you. We know all about the you. Yeah, all about the you. We should have done that. I like that. You, you, you. And today, we're really, we're kicking off a collection on relationships. And for the next few weeks, we want to talk all things relationships, marriage, um, dating. Where's all the single people at? Let's go. I'm proud of you. Cheer, bro. Put your, put your hand, That's if you're right. single, put he your hands cheer. up all locations. Put it, okay. Look around. This is what you're working look, with. Look, this is look, what you're look, working look with. Up in Some the of y'all don't know that your boo is in South Miami. Leave the city quickly. Um, whether, you're, whether you're married, uh, dating, uh, divorced, uh, heartbroken, uh, pieces all over the place, uh, raising kids. We're going to attempt to try to talk all the things over the next few weeks. Uh, for many years, Don Shree and I, we've taught on relationships. And the reason why we keep doing so every year is because what we have learned in life is that one of the primary ways that God wants to bless you is in the form of other people. And I just believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is not some ancient thing that's solely to get you to heaven. The gospel of Jesus Christ impacts your everyday practical life. It actually helps in all areas of relationships. And let me just say it. Don Shree and I, we just hit 17 years of marriage. Come on. It's like three or four Hollywood marriages in one right there. And um, come on, man. Um, But what we have learned is that if this is going to work, it requires work. If this right here is going to work, it will require work. I just don't want to have a good marriage. I want to have a great marriage. And same for you. I don't want you to have relationships that just survive. I really believe that your relationships with Jesus can thrive. But Don Shree, you know, when it comes to a great marriage, which is what we talk about a lot, a great marriage is not about what it looks like on the outside. I don't care how good it posts. I don't care if you got the right filter and your Christmas car looked better than everybody else's. You know what I'm talking about. You know those people. Um, just because it looks good on the outside doesn't mean it's strong on the inside. A great marriage really begins on the interior work. Yeah, it's an interior work. And at the beginning of the year, we started a collection called Mature Me. And it was really just talking about that God's called all of us to maturity and that maturity doesn't happen overnight, right? 
It's a process. And you have to be committed to the process in order for you to mature. Maturity is not about an age. You could know Jesus for 50 years and you could still be really immature. (laughs) It's not about the exterior. You could appear very dignified on the outside and not be holy on the inside. Um, It's not about what you have or what you have achieved. It's an interior work. It's a process of committing to the work of the Spirit within you. And we started to pray a really dangerous prayer at the beginning of the year. You might remember it. It's God, mature me. And why is that dangerous? Because when you invite God to start touching areas of your life and transforming them, he's going to challenge you. Because in order to change you, you've got to be challenged. And so we started to pray this prayer together. God, mature me. Would you mature me? And we started to ask ourselves the question, what would the mature me do? What would the mature me do? So now as we embark on this collection, mature us, the question is, what would the mature us do? How would the mature us approach this disagreement? How would the mature us come to a conclusion about the season that our kids are in? How would the mature us get through this obstacle or this mountain that is right in front of us? And I just really believe with all my heart that this collection is going to speak to everyone. I love that this is a room full of people who are in a single season. At DD, at SOMI, wherever you are at gardens, like Whatever season you're in, this collection is going to speak to you because that's what the Word of God does. You don't just pick out specific passages for the season of life you're in. No, the Word of God reads you. It speaks to you in every season, mountaintop, valley. And so if you're single, God's going to strengthen your relationship with others around you. If you're married, it's so cool because during pastoral assembly, we met a servant leader, an amazing woman who she drives For the last year, she's driven from Delray every single Sunday to serve. Talk about commitment. You know why? Because last year, when we did our relationship collection, God radically transformed her marriage. He saved it. He restored it. And she's got a testimony. So there's nothing that God can't do. Maybe you're like, okay, it's complicated. I don't want to get married. I've been there, done that, never going to do that again. That's okay. God wants to continue to mature you so the wisdom that you hold can touch the other relationships in your life. People that are seeking to learn from you, grow from you. It's for everyone. And I just want to encourage you, lean in because God wants to speak to you today. Yeah, and you got to remember that your life, man, is directly uh, correlated to your relationships. Like the quality of your life, look at the quality of your relationships. As your relationships get better, trust me, your life gets better. Your life will get better. And we want to try to help you for the next few weeks as we look at God's word. Um, Whenever we start to teach on relationships, for over a decade now, as I've taught on some of this material, I always start with this premise, and I want you to learn it. I want you to know it. You're going to hear it again next year and the year after, because I believe it is a firm truth. And this is the truth that we're working with. Healthy relationships begin with healthy individuals. Let's say it together. Healthy relationships begin with healthy individuals. We have to start there because so often we always start pointing our finger at the other person. How many of y'all know when you point your finger, there's three more fingers pointing at you? Right here, as we read in Matthew chapter 19, this is a powerful portion of scripture. These are the words of Jesus. Now, if you're new to the VU community, we're so glad that you're here. Everybody's welcome at VU Church, but you ought to know if it's your first Sunday that we don't think Jesus is a good teacher. We think he's the savior of the world. We don't just think Jesus is good. Get ready. We think he's God. 
Come on, I need somebody to celebrate if you actually believe that theological truth. Drop the mic. We'll see you next week. You know, like, because that's, that's really important. Because what we're seeing Jesus do here, I just want to, I want to start here for a moment because this is very, very important. Um, Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 19 is not being very politically correct. He's just being God. By the way, God's not politically correct. He just gives you the truth always. Whether you're ready for it or not, he's just going to slap you with the truth. And Jesus, what he's doing is, is he's quoting the book of Genesis. Now, I just want to give some context because it's important. Once again, there's people on the journey of faith. We're so happy that you're here. And some of you are like, I love Vu. I love the vibe. I love the energy. There's like an aura. Great. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Beautiful. Whatever. Okay. It's called the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about it another time. But anyways, <laughs> you start reading your Bible because you like get saved. and you, you open up to Genesis and, you know, three chapters in, there's a snake talking. You're like, is this a Disney movie? You know? And some people, even today in the body of Christ, have deconstructed from the word of God, and they think that things like Genesis are poetry or allegory or, or just illustration. But watch this. Jesus is my God. And because he's my God, I tend to believe what he believes. You say, well, why is he your God? Well, because he conquered death. Well, you're just going to believe that because the Bible says it? No, I actually think that 500 people who saw him alive and saw him die all were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. I wouldn't just stop there. How many of y'all know he had 12 disciples, 11 of which all ran from the cross? Because when they saw Jesus die, they're like, yo, Messiah can't die. I guess he's not who he said that he was. They ran. They, 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 they were afraid. They were cowards. But three days later, they saw the resurrected Christ, and every one of these men died martyr deaths. Why? Because they saw a man die. And then they saw a man resurrect. In death were cowards, but in resurrection were courageous. Come on, some of you need to know today, Jesus is alive. It's a relationship collection, so I'm going to refrain from preaching too hard. I say that to say that at times when my faith is at odds with what I feel, I go back to what it is that Jesus taught and what it is that Jesus believed. So watch this. Jesus is quoting Genesis because he doesn't think it's an allegory. He believes it to be true. And how does he start? He says, uh, don't you know that in the beginning, God created them male and female? Now, be careful, because that's dangerous language somehow in America. <laughs> Jesus, God, only believes in two genders. Not 38. Not whatever you feel. Men and women. Male and female. And it's fascinating because some people are like, bro, why are you being mean? It's like you go to Home Depot and when you buy a chainsaw, aren't you grateful it gives you instructions? No one's like, Home Depot, what's up with that, man? Let me do whatever I want with the chainsaw. Well, you can, but it's going to be a bloody mess. And somehow we look and give more grace towards Home Depot than we do God. God says, you get to choose and do what you want, but if you want the instruction manual, you have to go back to my word. My word brings life. My word brings purpose. My word brings freedom. Somebody take about five seconds right now and thank God for his word. He says he created a male and female. And at a pointed time, the man leaves his mom and dad. Watch this. And all of a sudden, he joins with the woman, and here it goes, and the two 
become one. In fact, he says they become one flesh. So I want us to go on a journey for the next few weeks, and I want you to begin to see this, that marriage is the end of me and the beginning of us. It's the end of me, and it's the beginning of us. To become one, that doesn't really make much sense. To become one, to become one. Yeah, it's because marriage is not completion. Marriage is new creation. I see it happen all the time in church. Like, yo, just because you go to church doesn't mean that you're actually obeying God's word. And some of us, we love Jesus and we're gonna go to heaven, but we continue to be counseled by the culture and we continue to let rom-coms become our romance advice. I just, I'm looking for a man who completes me. I'm just looking for a girl. I don't know what that voice is. I'm just looking for a girl (laughs) who completes me. (laughs) You gotta go back to God's word because listen to me, marriage is a miracle. Marriage turns you into us. Come on, somebody, give God some praise. It's a miracle, Don Shree, that, that, that two become one. That in order for us to spell us, it starts with, with you, 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 you. Yeah, it's, it's looking into the interior, as we were saying. You can change your location. You can change your occupation. You can even change the people that you hang around with. But the truth is, wherever you go, there you are. And we wanted to give you a visual today to realize how important it is to focus on yourself. That you today, you are the one that God wants to change. You are the one that God wants to speak to. You're the one that God wants to heal. And I wanted to just give you a visual. There was a study done in the US and I saw it a few months ago and it just really was eye-opening for me. I think at every location, I think it speaks to us and opens up our eyes as to why we need to focus on ourselves, and they did a study on who you spend the most time with relationally, and they're gonna put the graph up, on the chart up on the screens, but I'll just cut to the chase. The, the line at the top that you spend the most time with is yourself. Your friends, they peak and then they decline. Even your children, they peak and then they go off and they leave home and they start their families. Your coworkers, when you retire, no longer will you spend as much time with them. Your marriage is the second most consistent relationship in your life. But what is number one? Your relationship with yourself. And that may be revelatory for you today because you may go, I don't even think of that as being a relationship with myself. I've never thought in terms of having a relationship with myself. Yeah. Do you forgive yourself? How do you speak to yourself? What are the conversations with yourself? What are the dreams that you have for yourself? What are the ways that you're challenging yourself? How are you discipling yourself? That relationship with you, it is the most important thing because it really impacts every other relationship. Yeah, because you can't control us. You, with the help of the Holy Spirit, can control you. And we spend so much time trying to improve other people when really better starts with Better starts with, better starts with you. How many of y'all know, there's a lot of different versions of you. Like we act like, no, we all think that we're done changing. If you look back on your life, you're like, I changed a lot, but now I'm 33 and I'm, I've, I've really arrived. Come on. Think about all the different versions of you. Remember the single you? 
Remember the dating you? The engaged you is a lot different than the three kids married for five years you. Honeymoon you is a lot different from 10 years in you. There's all sorts of different versions of you. Healthy you, scared you, afraid you, depressed you, anxious you, positive you, faithful you. Go through all the different versions of you. When I think about life sometimes, especially in a relationship, I know this is sort of an old illustration, but my kids, um, they do a homeschool co-op and they go to the library. Some of y'all haven't been to a library in a long time, but what I like about the idea of a library is that in a library, how many know there's lots of different options? What book are you gonna check out? There's mysteries and there's crime novels and there's history and there's poetry. So it is with a relationship. Man, when you get married to someone, sometimes we marry the projected version of someone, but yo, you're gonna wake up with the actual version of that person. And Don Shree has seen the nightmare version of Rich Wilkerson Jr. But she's also seen me at my best moments. Being married to her, like I've seen all of her different genres. Sometimes she is the book of Song of Solomon. <laughs> Unless you read the Bible, you won't understand that one. <laughs> but sometimes, here's another Bible joke, sometimes she's the book of Revelation. <laughs> Four-headed beasts and holy, holy, holy. I'm hoping someone at Miami Gardens reads the Bible, but... Um, hey, hey, this is about you. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Touche. Touche. The point that I'm trying to get at is what version of you are you bringing to your relationship? Are you improving? Are you growing? Are you enhancing? Because listen to me. Becoming one is easy. Getting married... Some of us, we, we can already testify this. Becoming one's easy, but living as one, that's difficult. That takes so much work. And it's no longer just rich in DC. It's now the Wilkerson's. It's no longer just you. Now it is us, but you can't spell us without the word and the letter U. So today, the point of this message on week one is better starts with you. I want to give you three just basic things for all relationships, but especially those of us that are in marriage, of how to bring the healthy you to the relationship. Yeah, the first thing you can do to bring the healthy you is uncover you. We spend so much time trying to discover who other people are that we don't take the time to look inward and discover who God created us to be. And there's so much within you that you don't know. And it takes a mature person to be committed to the process for you to say, okay, it's time to remove the facade. It's time to dig deep. I think about those stories throughout history of some of the great pieces of art discovered in people's attics, that they've been in the attic for decades, and it seemed like it was just a part of the pile of junk that everything else was around it. But no, it wasn't a piece of junk. It was treasure, and it took someone that knew what it was to uncover it. I also think about, you know, in my own house, there was a period of time where we were getting sick, we were trying to figure out what was going on, and we didn't see anything that was decaying, but beyond what we could see, there was mold, and it was creating sickness within us, that it was a toxicity, and there are areas in our life that are toxic. You're not toxic. There are things in your life that God wants to remove so that you can be whole and you can be healed. And whether under the roof of your own soul there is treasure and toxicity, I would guess with all of us, there's a little bit of both. We have to take the time to look inside and allow God to uncover it and reveal it. Um, 
A lot of people have different approaches to how we gain wisdom. Aristotle said that you gain wisdom by getting to know yourself, but that's not what the word of God says. The word of God says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why? Because how could you ever get to know yourself if you don't get to know the one that created you? If you don't get to know the one who who artfully and beautifully and imaginatively created your laugh and your nose and your smile and your personality and your likes and your dislikes and the things that make you unique from anyone else in history, how could you ever discover or uncover you if you don't get to know the one who fearfully and wonderfully made you. We all have a different starting point Um, in relationships. We may think that we're all seeing the same thing, but the truth is, is that we're impacted by so many things that take residence in our heart, whether it's your past, whether it's your pain, whether it's different people that are in your life or problems, it takes a maturity to commit to the process of you saying, okay, it's time to uncover this. It's time to discover what is really left here. And how do you uncover it? Well, it's almost like you unwind. You unwind it. Why do I do that every time this happens? Why do I react this way? Why do I get defensive every time the conversation goes this route? And we start to connect dots. Why? Because we're not looking to the exterior. We're looking to the interior. And self-awareness allows for self-correction. How can you change what you are fully unaware of? So today we just challenge you. It's a day for you to say, okay, I'm going to uncover and it starts with me. I think the big part, DC, as you're, as you're teaching on that, that we need to catch, and like, I don't know if anyone's ever told you before, but you are complicated. Yeah. No, Rich, I'm not. I'm super, e- you, no, stop. Stop now. Stop it. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. There's layers to you. You are complicated. And what's so fascinating when it comes to marriage is that I just explained to you that this is a miracle. It's no longer just you. It's now us. It's no longer rich. It's the Wilkerson's. We're a brand new thing to become one. What's fascinating is that many times the things that I'm criticizing her about are the very things that I haven't dealt with in my own life. Many times the shadow that I cast says more about me than it does about her. Like, I can project my insecurities upon Don Cherie. Maybe you've never done this before, but like, so often what we're criticizing and what we're upset about is not the other person, it's you. Your spouse is a mirror. Look at what Jesus said. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. You've probably heard this passage, but you've probably never applied it to your marriage. You're like, that's some church talk. I don't do that in the house. Okay, watch. Let's watch. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your spouse's eye? And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your spouse, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Everyone thinks that Jesus is always just so gentle. Sometimes he's a chainsaw. (laughs) First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. What he's challenging you to do is to uncover you. Deal with your flaws, understand your strengths, know your weaknesses. Why do you do what you do? Listen to me. Perfectionism in you will lead to constant correction in them. Addiction in you will lead to you using them. Anger in you will lead to resenting them. Fear in you will lead to smothering them. You have to uncover you. 
And no one will uncover you better than the Holy Spirit. Because he, right? He's the spirit of truth. And so if you're looking for truth, spirit of truth dwells within you. Are you listening? Are you leaning in? Are you looking to the word of God? If he's the spirit of truth, you know, we're surrounded by people that want to find truth, but they're having to conjure up their own truth because they're not filled with the spirit of truth. But you're filled with the spirit of truth. And that's good news because you don't have to create the good news. You don't have to imagine what your life should be. No, friends. You simply have to develop your relationship with God and the Holy Spirit reveal step by step moment by moment. Revelation is not just a book in the Bible. Revelation is what you're meant to experience as you walk with God. That every day as you read God's word, as you just talk to him like your closest friend, as you're honest, God's word is going to come alive to you. And it may have seemed so um, one-dimensional, but all of a sudden you've read that verse a million times and it becomes larger than life to you. It takes on so many different facets. It speaks to you, to the deepest part of your soul. And other people around you might not even understand why it's suddenly alive. It's because the Holy Spirit's revealed it to you. It's because the Spirit of truth has revealed it to you to empower you season by season. And I just encourage you, we shouldn't get overwhelmed when we take a look at the interior. Instead, we should rest assured that our God who started the work, he will finish it. Come on, can anybody testify that God is patient, he is kind, he is faithful? And, you know, Rich said it, but I I understood a portion of myself when we got married, 10 years later, understood a little bit more. Now I understand a little bit more, but it's going to take a lifetime and all of eternity to really realize our makeup because we are eternal beings and we have to pace ourselves, trust God and seek the one who knows it all. And you say, Don Shree, I don't feel comfortable with that word uncover. Like uh, you don't understand what I've been through. Even when I walk through church, I, I don't feel like I'm up to par friends. We are not all playing a part here at church. We are all broken people. And when we're honest with our brokenness, that's when God's power, like Rich already testified, it's when it rests on us. And so your vulnerability with your spouse only brings stability. Because if you're always trying to cover up, if you're always trying to just make sure that they think that you're okay, how could they ever strengthen you? How could they ever know how to pray for you? When I uncover, or when you uncover you, your spouse is able to cover you. So the weak areas of my life, Rich steps in. It's a beautiful thing. Someone say, better starts with you. you. It's not just uncover you, it's upgrade you. Hello. You need an upgrade. Uh, If you're like me, you use an iPhone. If you don't follow Jesus, you have an Android. Um, (laughs) I can't do green bubbles this year, yo. Off the group chat. Um. But like Apple has been so strategic in creating products for us that once we get them, we're like, I didn't even know I had these needs. Now I can't live without it. And in so many ways, this technology promises to upgrade our life. But if you're like me, you notice that these upgrades to our life, they come with every week a new update. It's got, have you got the new update? You got the new update? I'm like, I, do, I thought I updated. I, I don't have the update. Like, well, it's got to update. It's got to update. And there's something to that. In order for an upgrade to take place, an update has to happen. Listen, eventually, if you're not getting updated, you become outdated. 
And I just think as individuals, you, you need to upgrade you. You need to keep growing. You need to fight to keep learning, to becoming more, enhancing, improving, challenging yourself. You don't need something new, but you do need something fresh. Can I get a witness out there? I want to be fresh in my marriage. But watch this, because I just want you to see these different upgrades. I just, I just want to change your perspective a little bit. This is Proverbs 31, verse 10. An excellent wife. Who can find? Question mark. You better be able to answer that. Yes. I found Miss Excellence. Okay. Um, it's a weird voice. Uh, she is far more precious than jewels. So, so I look at this. I love this. Like, ladies... Sometimes we live in a world that's very, very easy to get caught up in the exterior, get caught up in beauty, get caught up in appearance, get caught up in jewels. But look at this, woman of God, upgrade to a spirit of excellence and you won't have to worry about your appearance. He's challenging you to think differently. Like I can become a person of excellence. What's excellence? To do the most with what I got. This is for all the fellas. Proverbs 18, verse 22. He who finds a wife. Hello finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Notice the word find. It's a verb. Ladies, help me out a little bit. Come on, yeah. You better walk. Better ask her. Um, no, but like, there, there is this proactive nature towards being a man that God has hardwired you to be Someone who pursues. I'm not just talking about with finding a wife, but that is your job too, by the way. Like, you can't just put out the vibe, all right? Just standing by the connect corner. No, bro, walk to her, okay? Like, I hear some of this stuff. I'm like, that's not gonna work. DMing's not enough, by the way, either. That's a whole other message. Please do not stand by the connect corner. I'll be your host. Shut up, okay. Like, you, you, you need to, like, Call her. You need to be proactive. No doubt. But, but honestly, there's a call to men that you, you are supposed to find in all areas of life. That you're supposed to seek. That you're supposed to pursue. Yeah. Like, I'm 39 years of age, but I'm still pursuing things. I'm still actually pursuing this woman. Yeah. We can talk about that. Yeah, like, I like the cheers at 1230 this afternoon. The more I pursue her, the more it produces passion. But listen to me. Man of God, just in all areas of your life, upgrade, upgrade, upgrade to being a person who passionately pursues. And I'm telling you what, you will always find what you need in every season. There will always be the favor of the Lord if you'll just be proactive. Look at this one. This is good. Proverbs 21, verse 9. <laughs> this is the Bible, so don't come at me, bro. It is better, Don Shree, to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Look, look, that dude is sleeping on the couch for the rest of his life. My man is amen to me. He's definitely single, okay? Um, what I want us to see is I think this is a call to, to marriages and relationships, like upgrade to healthy conflict resolution. And then you're going to live in wide open spaces. You're not supposed to just live in the corner of your house. You're not supposed to sleep on the couch. You're not supposed to get into a, an argument and then go check into a hotel at night. No, none of that is the upgraded way of living. You have to upgrade you in order to mature us. If you believe it, somebody give God some praise in this house. So good. You're not a quarrelsome wife. Yeah, hopefully not. No, you're my. It could be said. You're my, you're my. 
woman of excellence. I love you. Stop. That voice. It's got to stop. Oh, it's coming out Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) So, I guess the question is, uh, how are you upgrading you? Yeah. Like, if you look over the last year, the last two years, how have you gotten better at your job? How have you gotten better? How have you studied? How have you leaned in and learned something new? Or do you see growth? How are you upgrading you, like practically? Um, I think with our mind, when we look to the word of God, it, it reframes every circumstance in our life. If his ways are higher, then we get a higher view, don't we? There's an upgrade. There's an upgrade. What about our bodies? That Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do we, do we understand that? If you want to upgrade you, you got to have that revelation. I love one of the stories from uh, one of our VU crews. I heard it yesterday. I love my city. That a woman in our church joined a, joined a crew, realized that her body was the temple of the Holy Spirit, realized that she needed to step into health, and her sisters and her crew started to encourage her daily. And five, six months later, she was in a completely different place of health because she started to upgrade herself. How do you upgrade you? What about uh, your spirit? Uh, what are you feeding your spirit? What are you ingesting? What are you listening to? It's, it's time to upgrade you. Your soul. There's soul food. There's a lot of junk that will contaminate you. But how is the health of your soul? And I think that oftentimes we point the finger and we just want to upgrade the other person. We want to tell them how they can get better. And a lot of marriages have fallen apart because people stepped down on their spouses because they want to upgrade their marriage, not realizing that upgrading is not about jumping ship. Upgrading is about maturity and two people individually committed to growing. That's how we mature. For me on my journey, like, I haven't been ever into like working out or anything like that. And Rich, I'll just say it. And Rich, uh, he, he has. He had a life-changing accident probably like eight or ten years ago that put him in the gym and changed his life. And he does it more for his mental health than anything. He's been telling me for like a decade, Don Sheree, this would be so good for you. I really think like you would love this. He's been hinting at it. And uh, I was just like, I'm not ready yet. I was like, get up in the morning, babe. Go with God. Go to the gym. I'm for you. I cheer you on. I celebrate you. I'll be here, (laughs) you know? Um, But I'm a little slow to come to decisions sometimes. At the beginning of 2023, I had made another resolution that I wanted to crush. I wanted to keep a promise to myself. Before you expect other people to keep promises to you, can you keep promises that you make to yourself? There's nothing more confidence building than making a decision and leaning in with the Holy Spirit and learning discipline in your life. So I'd made another New Year's resolution that I was like, I'm going to crush this. I'm only going to give one. And then I told him at the beginning of 2023, I was like, but at the beginning of 2024, I will be visiting the gym on a weekly basis. And he silently heard me say that and just, we went along through the year and I, I, I finished that other thing. And then the last three months I've been in the gym, you guys, and I'm so excited. And, uh, hey, thank you for your encouragement. It's a huge step in my journey of maturity. And 
Rich, you guys, Rich has not said a thing to me about it. I think he's afraid to jinx it. He has not once been like, oh, I think you should do it this way. You're not doing it right. You should really approach it that way. No way. Rich is paying for it. He's taking care of the kids while I do it. He's making a way. He's on my side, encouraging me, cheering me on. And it's made all the difference. Upgrade. I love it. So, so all mature, that to mature say, man, mature man of God, mature when, man of when Rich is reading something new and he brings that to the table, it keeps a freshness to our marriage. When I learn something new and I bring it to the table, marriage is about constantly bringing new, beautiful things to the table as you both mature and grow and learn and stretch into who God's called you to be. When you say interesting, it helps your marriage and your spouse stay interested. So upgrade you. Beautiful. I, I really love what she's saying because as we bring our best version of ourselves to the table, I'm telling you what, it inspires the other person. You know, the word of God, if you don't know, it talks about a love triangle. Maybe you didn't know that. But in Ecclesiastes, it says a cord of three strands is not easily broken as a love triangle. It's me and Don Cherie and the Lord. And when you look at your relationship, I would encourage you, to draw a triangle, and at the top of that triangle, put the name Jesus. Then put your name on one side and your spouse's name at the other side. And watch this. As you run wholeheartedly towards Jesus, you're going to upgrade into his arms every single time. A cord of three strands. It's not easily broken. This thing is built on the name of Jesus, and we are seeking him. Remember, in your marriage, this is your other side. This is, this is you. This is a reflection of you. She's me, I'm her, she's my rib, bro. I mean, that's what the Bible says. And it's so fascinating to me as we can get on the journey of marriage and we can fail to recognize that her win is my win. My loss is her loss. As Don Cherie gets better, listen to me, I get better. Rich, why are you saying that? I'm saying that because I see in so many marriages that couples are competing with each other. What? You're not racing against each other. That's why some of you got a scorecard in your marriage. It will never work. You're not competing. You are collaborating. And you need to celebrate each other's differences. And you need to recognize that as you mature together and as you upgrade and as you grow individually, it's going to inspire your spouse to grow as well. Come on, if you believe it. Somebody make a little bit of noise. And lastly today... We're closing, but the last thought is that the decision that you have to make is unite you. Because unity doesn't come just from making vows and all of a sudden your hearts are joined together. All of a sudden you're walking in the same direction. All of a sudden you have grace and admiration and honor for one another. No, unity comes when you decide to unite yourself to the commitment that you've made. And you don't just take your vows one day, but you choose again and again to unite you to us, to unite you to us. I love the words of Jesus that we started with. I love that Jesus speaks so clearly what God has brought together. Let no man separate. And let me tell you, more often than not, it's not the world trying to separate it. It's the division in our heart. It's the unforgiveness in our soul. It's the bitterness. It's the frustration. It's the assumptions. It's the disillusionment that living the dream of marriage looks a lot different than dreaming it. Because day after day, you're walking 
together. And it's a decision that God, I'm gonna unleash. You have to say, I'm gonna unleash you so that we can now be united. I'm gonna release what I've been holding on to so that we can walk together. And I love when Jesus says this because when he says, let no man separate what God has brought together, we have to understand it was God that brought you together that God invented marriage, that this is not something that any of us dreamt of, that, that it's holy, that it's beautiful, and that it's the metaphor through which God portrays the gospel throughout this entire book. It's his favorite metaphor, the bride of Christ, and Jesus is displayed through a marriage. It's holy, it's mysterious, and we will spend the rest of our life uncovering and understanding the mystery of this thing called marriage. Now we can't afford to just think this is shallow. We can't afford to think that the definition of marriage is the world's definition. Oh no, God invented it. What mystery has he packed within my home? What mystery has he packed within this relationship that I get to spend a lifetime growing, understanding? loving. I think about the differences in us. I mean, honestly, we're closing in just a moment, but if I told you guys what it takes for us to write a sermon together, God help us because we are so different and we must have written four different messages this week just trying to get on the same page as far as the way that we communicate. We're trying to say the same thing, but we say it really differently because he's a man and I'm a woman and we're better because of our differences. We're better because we challenge each other, sharpen each other, work through the frustration of, don't you see what I'm saying? But how often does that frustration overtake the faith that God's given us? to walk through it. I heard a story the other day about a man who was upset at his wife and he thought, I'm just gonna give her the silent treatment. I'm gonna be quiet. So he was quiet for a whole week. And at the end of the week, the wife said, man, it just seems like we're really getting along. It takes a lifetime to discover the one that God has given you to walk alongside. You choose to unite. It's beautiful. This whole book, when you open it up, it begins with this marriage between Adam and Eve. It's Genesis 2 and 3. And this book, it ends with another wedding ceremony of the church waiting for the bridegroom known as Jesus Christ. God invented marriage. Not man. It's not some man-made idea. No, this is, this is God who created this, and it's sacred. And it's so important that on this journey of faith, that we take the time over and over and over again to say, God, what is your definition? And God, what is your picture? Because Jesus is really clear here in Matthew 19. Don't let anybody separate this thing. He tells me that there is an enemy who wants to divide my marriage. I'm just telling you, without God, without that love triangle, it's really difficult to stay together because we are different. This girl speaks about 20,000 words a day. Research would say I speak about 7,000 words a day. Uh, uh, uh. Every guy knows what I just said. I just told him where we're going to have lunch after this. Like, it's code. But if we're not careful, we will buy into the system of the world and we will criticize each other's differences rather than fight to celebrate them. You ever try to put a puzzle together, but you don't have the final picture? 
oh my goodness, you're jamming puzzle pieces together, trying to make them fit. I wonder how many of us in the room, that's what we're trying to do in our marriage. How do I make this fit? How do I make, be this, be that? In division sets, in the Bible says, a house divided cannot stand. So the way the enemy wants to destroy you is he wants to divide you. He wants to bring little areas of division because if he can divide your marriage, he can divide your family. If he can divide our families, he can divide our church. If he divides our church, man, he can divide our impact in a city, in a nation, in the world. And that's why we need God's word that gives us this beautiful picture of what marriage is. I'm telling you, marriage is deeper than you could have ever dreamed. And God gives us the blueprint as we study it. All of a sudden, it starts helping us fit the pieces together. And by the end of it, it's a beautiful mosaic made up of our broken lives, but somehow it gives glory to God. Listen to me, if your definition of marriage and who you choose is solely to make you happy, you've got the world's definition. Because God's motivation for marriage is not just to make you happy, it's to make you holy. And our church is maturing, so I don't expect everyone to clap right there. Because some of you are like, but is he going to be hot? Because I, I like, he needs to still be hot, you know? Does she look good? Like, I, I want to be holy, but I want her to be hot, too. Get hot and holy, that's a whole other message. We can talk about it, yeah. We can talk about it. But it's to be holy because your marriage is to make you more like Jesus. There it is. Back to where we started. Bro, this guy's always talking about Jesus. That's the only message I got. It's the only message we got. That's it. God puts us together to sharpen us that we might become more like Jesus. Watch this. You can't become like Jesus if you don't ever do what Jesus did. Jesus do with all of us from a cross he says father forgive them for they know not what they're doing he's fighting for unity and listen to me loud and clear wherever division is tolerated unity is squandered and one of the greatest ways that the enemy sows seeds of division in our homes in our marriages with our friends is through this word called unforgiveness We don't think it's a big deal, but we're giving the enemy a foothold that will eventually become a stronghold. And unforgiveness robs a home of unity. Because as I walk in unforgiveness, I'm putting up walls. You can't even see the walls, but I'm putting up walls to cover my heart and it's not allowing me to receive or for me to give anything towards you. That's why we have to go back to the word of God and we have to look to the cross of Jesus. And I just know some people have come to this collection and, and, and look, like I don't believe in magic. I don't believe in just like one and done. I think God can do things quickly and God can do things suddenly. But more often than not, I've just seen God. He works in people's lives who patiently pursue him. And I would just encourage some of you, maybe there's a woman here today and you brought your husband like, ah, this is our last chance. This marriage is, is not gonna make it, but maybe just maybe Maybe if I just get this guy to church and just hear this message, maybe God could redeem it and restore it. I just want to encourage you. And if it doesn't happen this week, let's see what God can do over the next four weeks because God is a good God who will meet us and he's a healer and he's a restorer. And I'm just not interested in just giving content. 
I'm interested in seeing the power of God show up in your life and in your home to make you happy, healthy, and holy, to redeem and restore your marriage once and for all. But I do know this, that if you're unwilling to forgive, you're gonna miss out on the beautiful future that God has for you. And if I can just close this way with unite you, you will never walk into unity if you don't first step into forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Watch this. Forgiveness equals give for. Forgive is give for. Give for. Give mercy for peace today. Give love for a happy home today. Give grace for a better future tomorrow. Give today for tomorrow you will be in need again. And the kingdom of God operates different from the world. The world says get and keep. But the kingdom of God says, no, the more you give, the more you will receive. As we forgive one another, we're walking into a bright future. And we're going to teach on it in the next couple of weeks. And we want to help you. But listen to me. An eye for an eye does not work in marriage. It's going to leave you with a bloody mess. Some of y'all, I know you love your Bible, but you don't, you don't want Moses to be your marriage counselor. You want Jesus. Jesus is full of grace, full of mercy, the man of forgiveness. What did Moses do? Moses turned the Nile River, that was a body of water, into blood. Jesus, he turned water into wine. I don't know about you, I don't want blood in my marriage. I want some wine. Some bounce like a bow wow. Why? Bring grace into the home. Bring unity into the home. Bring forgiveness into the home. Try again. Believe again. I don't know a lot about wine, but I know I know enough. It just so happens that wine has to mature. It takes some time for it to mature. You don't want to drink it when it's bitter. You want to drink it when it's sweet. Your marriage, it ought to be like a fine wine. It ought to get better with time. God, would you mature us? What would the mature us do? How would the mature us raise these kids? How would the mature us spend our money? How would the mature us argue and debate? How would the mature us date each other? How would the mature us sleep together? How would the mature us work? Because you are like a fine wine. When you allow God's grace to come into it, I'm telling you what, he'll bring back and he will redeem things that feel dead. They're not dead, they're just lying dormant. And with the word of God, I'm telling you what, there's seed there and that seed will blossom, that seed will flourish. Something good is gonna begin to grow again better starts with you. Come on, if you believe it, somebody give God a big shout of praise. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present. And I even place my future in your hands.
name. Amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps on your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.